Jared Ship and Trevor Holmes have sort of put this whole series together. Um, they, from the beginning, we sort of talked about this. It was way back before the fall retreat. They love to do a third week where we could sort of co-lead and just do some different things. You guys can come on up here while I'm talking, unless, I don't know, are we starting with a video or something? Okay. No? All right. Um, so I'm going to get stools for these guys. Um, welcome them, will you? you? They've been up here before. Yeah. Getting baptized was the second greatest thing that I ever did in my life. The best thing I ever did was asking God to come into my life and have a relationship with me. My story, the one I'm giving now is a testimony of a good friend of mine, his story isn't the one that starts off with me doing drugs or having an addiction the first 25 some years of my life and then finding God one dark night. No. My story starts like a lot of Christians with parents who live the church life and me just trying to be a good Christian. But then one day, it all changed. It's 2012. I was a sophomore. And as I was living completely on my own, a terrible temptation was put in my path and I tripped over it. I repeatedly committed the same sinful act for years. Scared out of my mind as to what I had just walked into, I kept it a secret from everyone. Having the stuff in my mind and heart for well over a year, I got really depressed. I began to blame God for it. Why did he let me fail so often? One day I became overwhelmed by my sin and grew so mad at God that I yelled, I didn't ask for this. Maybe I should just walk away from my faith if it's going to be like this. Instantly, I heard him. It's clear as day. I sensed God's response. Son, this wasn't... This wasn't part of my plans for you, but if you want to walk away from me, then I will not stop you, for I made you in my image, and you have free will to choose. I became emotional in that moment with this overwhelming sense of God's presence all around. It was overwhelming. On that day, God grabbed me and didn't let me go. That night, I knew God knew me and loved me, and even though sin is terrible, it wasn't going to be the end of our relationship. He knew all of my wrongdoing, but his son paid the price for the cross for me so that I could have a relationship with him. With that in mind, here are some things that you don't get told at the end of a story like this. On October 31st, 2014 was the night I heard from the Lord. And that is the day I started to fight against the sin I had been into for so long because of my relationship with God. It was close to three years that I was in sin like that, and the whole time, only three to five people even knew that I was struggling with it. Neither one of my parents knew what I was fighting. So on November 4th, four years after de declaring war on my sin, I was shaking as I walked up to my dad. With fear in my voice, I said, Dad, we need to talk. Not knowing if I was going to get hit for what I did or if he would even still love me, I began to tell him about how I fell into sin. He sobbed as I told him what had happened to me. Then I told him I had, been at, I had been at four days without it, and I can see that the news killed him. His son had been struggling with engulfed sin close to three years, and he had no idea what was even going on. Then he grabbed me with a soft and warm embrace, and I kept saying, and he kept saying, I'm sorry. And he said, don't be sorry. I still love you, son. That was the battling moment I have had with my dad, even though it looked like it was going to be the worst time of my life. 
And although I may be tempted to sin for the rest of my life, the death of Jesus and my decision to enter a relationship with him has freed me. I am no longer a slave to sin. The story came up to me a couple of days ago uh, when one of my friends brought it to my attention. I said, hey, can you write a test for me? I'd like to use it during a sermon. And I thought that it'd be a, a nice intro and it'd be something cool to pull from. But really, I didn't realize until I started reading through his testimony how powerful those kind of stories can be. Testimonies are incredibly powerful because they're about real people and real events that those people have gone through. A testimony is different than just a, hey, Tell me about yourself. Who are you? If someone says, are you, I, I want to know more about you, you can give a pretty simple answer. If it's uh, some sort of interview or you're trying to become friends with somebody and they ask you that kind of thing, you say, well, I, who I am is based on this. I, I go to this high school. I'm in this grade. my age. These are the things I enjoy doing in these. This is what I'm good at. That kind of answer satisfies the question, who are you? A testimony is different. The, the question, who are you, says who you are in that moment. A testimony explains who you are by looking at your entire life, the good and the bad. Testimonies don't hide the bad things that happen. They don't hide our struggles. In this testimony, we had to cut it down for time's sake. But testimonies can be long, drawn-out stories, and they really bring in the most important events in a person's life. Testimonies center around one big, impactful moment. In this story, like many other Christians, that big, impactful moment was entering in a relationship with God and having some sort of experience with the creator of the universe. You notice that these testimonies, Christian testimony will never say, hey, I worked really hard and I was finally good enough. I finally stopped being tempted and now life's good. It's never going to be about, hey, I struggled with the sin and then I finally got strong enough no, the testimonies always center on this idea that God and, and what he's done for us changes us. This is really quite an amazing testimony, and it's amazing because we know a person, and it's very, very personal. I'm going to share one more testimony, and this one isn't from someone I know personally. It's from the Bible. If you've gone to church at all before, you may have heard this testimony. It's about the life of Paul. Paul is a very impactful person in the history of the church. He's known to be a, a great leader in the early church, a great evangelist, and he spread the word of God and told everyone he met. He went across across seas and went through various dangers to preach the word of God. However, Paul wasn't always an amazing guy. Originally, Paul's name was Saul. And, and although we today as somebody who was a great evangelist, somebody who said, hey, he went around to people and said, hey, Jesus, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the solution, he started out the exact opposite. Saul would walk around house to house, finding, he would drag them out of their homes, yell at them, and throw them in prison. On several occasions, Paul sat and watched as Christians were stoned to death. Saul doesn't really seem like the kind of person that we would celebrate in the church today. His testimony, however, also has a big impactful event. Just like the testimony we read earlier, there's one changed everything. 
One day, Paul was walking to Damascus. He was on the road walking into the city, and he was going there in order to find Christians and persecute them. But he never, he didn't make it there. Um, he thought he would. On the way there, a bright light shone from heaven, and, and Paul was blinded. God looked down and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me and my people? This was a massive moment for Paul. It was his big, impactful moment. This is what changed his life. He looked back up and said, who are you, Lord? Now, Paul was a Jewish man. He, he hated Christians because he thought they were twisting the Jewish truth. He thought that this Jesus figure that everyone was talking about would be the death of Judaism. All he wanted to do was get rid of the church. And he said, who are you, Lord? Perhaps expecting that maybe God of, of his faith was coming to speak to him. He did not expect the answer that he got. Paul says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus responds, it is Jesus, the Lord you have been persecuting. After that, Jesus gave Paul instructions to go to Damascus, where he would meet a devout follower of Christ, somebody who was hiding very likely from Paul. It would have been a very scary thing for that person to, to, to meet Paul. Paul was somebody who had a very good reputation for persecuting Christians. Everyone who was a Christian, knew who Paul was, and they feared him. But God brought him into the home of one of his followers, and that follower took a step of faith and prayed over Paul to have his eyes healed. That big, impactful moment, that moment when Paul met God, when he, he spoke with Jesus, was so big, it changed his entire As I said before, if you've been in church, you probably know a lot more of the story. Paul went on, he, he left and, and his name, which had previously been Saul, permanently changed to Paul. He went across, and he did the exact opposite of what he'd been doing at the beginning of his life. He didn't just kind of go on and, and meet this event and say, wow, that was, that, was pretty, that was pretty crazy. I was blinded, I talked to Jesus, and then keep going. You know, he, he met Jesus, his life, one, he did a 180. His life completely changed. He turned all the way around. Paul became a witness to everyone he met, spreading the good news of Christ. He had changed from one ear down to the Christian church, trying to build it up. He uh, changed from being someone who persecuted every Christian he met to wanting to empower them, to wanting to empower the church. Nothing Paul ever did before he met Jesus would have been considered a very good thing. I don't think Jesus would have been very proud of any of that stuff. That didn't matter. That didn't change God's plan. God had a plan for Paul since the very beginning. And no amount of sin, no amount of terrible acts Paul could, could commit towards Christians could change that. Jesus changed Paul in a way that we remember Paul not for all the mistakes he did. But when we think about Paul in the church, it's almost always about how Paul was essential in the beginning of the church, how he did so many amazing things. Paul won, and he continued to preach and went through so many trials. Paul's life was constantly at risk. He was, he was beaten, thrown out of cities, stranded on land, stranded in the middle of the ocean. Paul had so many different trials. But he went through it with a joy and a peace and a purpose that last. Now, for us, we, we may not have that big experience 
we may not, and frankly, it'd be fairly odd if we had the same exact experience as Paul. We all have something different. But in our lives, we, we often go, and, and sometimes, we'll, may, maybe if you've been to a fall retreat here, or you've been to some big event, you'll go and you'll have some experience with God. And, and throughout our lives, I think God comes down and he, he meets us. He wants us to be with him, and he, he will see us. We need to look at that event. We need to see when God comes to us, take that and use it. I know that several years, uh, I would go to the fall retreat. And if you've ever been on one of those before, there, there's several sermons throughout the weekend. And we, if you, before you know, the third one is the big one. The third one is the one that, that brings tears, right? The third one is the one that really makes a difference. But year after year, I would go to the fall retreat. I would experience that big sermon. I would, I would feel some sort of experience with God. I'd kind of stop, think about it, and then keep going. Imagine... Imagine if Paul had, had stopped, had that blinding experience with God, said, wow, that's kind of crazy, and then just kept going with it. God wants us to be with him. He wants us to follow him. God never abandoned Paul. Paul was always a part of his plan. Just like Paul, we are never alone. As a follower of Christ, God is always with us, and you are never alone. If there are over 7 billion people on earth, then why do I feel so alone? If there is someone for everyone, then why does it feel like it's just me? If I have friends, then how come I can end up feeling friendless? If I have family, then why do I sometimes feel like a family of one? These are some of the questions that I've had to ask myself at times. I have never seemed to get an answer until I look into the Word of God. The truth is, if you know Jesus, you are not alone. You are not alone. No matter how many times you have walked by yourself, God says that He will be with you wherever you go how many times you have fallen and had to pick yourself up Jesus says that he knows you and that he laid down his life for you you are not alone no matter how hard things have gotten the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ you are not alone no matter how long you've been waiting Jesus says that his coming back and until then, he has sent his Holy Spirit to live in you. You are not alone. No matter what your situation has turned into, Jesus promises that you can find rest in him. You are not alone. No matter who has deserted you, Jesus says that he will with you always. You are not alone. But the Bible does show us what loneliness is like. Utter loneliness is what Jesus experienced as he hung on the cross. Loneliness, sin, death, and separation are what he overcame. So that we could be with God, 
so that we repent and turn to him, we can rest in his presence so that we can experience his friendship forever. So this video asks a commonly asked question, which I'm sure a lot of you has, have asked yourselves. Why do I feel so alone? This video is asking, you know, as an individual, why in a group of friends, group of close friends even, do I feel like I don't have any friends or I'm not really here with them, I'm alone. And maybe even we'll be with our family and we're very close with our family and we'll think, why do I feel so alone? We have a lot of questions that we ask that we feel are unanswered or God just isn't there listening to us or we don't have a connection. But we are not, in fact, alone and our, our, our questions are being answered. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, you are not alone, especially when you're in a relationship with Jesus. That's what this video is saying. When you walk with Jesus, no matter where you go, Jesus is right next to you, guiding you, and, and he's living your life story with you. Even in the worst times, even in the darkest times you can ever experience, God is walking with you. Jesus is there right next to you. This is modeled by Paul's life, even after his redemption. After God talks to Paul, like Trevor said, Paul goes and has to find this man, and from here on out, his life really changes almost immediately. And he's blinded, quite literally, by, by God's presence, and there's so much influence that he experiences after experiencing his presence. He has God entirely to guide him through life and where he has to go. Now, this may not be the case for all of you where, where you know, something immensely important happens or some sort of event, whether tragic or wonderful, happens and everything is immediately changed so dramatically. But no one is far from God. This does not mean that even though an event does not happen that changes your life immediately, you are not far from God. Trusting in Jesus and, and you know, walking with him and having a friendship with him means you're never alone in your walk. And Paul was never alone in his travels in the first place. God was with him even when he was with Christians to persecute. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus was in Paul's heart everywhere he went. And everywhere he was ridiculed or tortured or even thrown in prison, Jesus was there. With him. So you will not experience anything by yourself because Jesus is with you. You are not alone. And in prison, uh, Paul was experiencing you know, the worst conditions possible. But it wasn't as bad as it could have been because of his friendship with Jesus. And in his friendship with Jesus, he experienced peace, joy, and purpose. And he had a drive, and he knew where to go, and he knew to Jesus even when he was in the dark, even when he was experiencing the worst times of his life. He was able to sing songs of praise, in fact, while he was in prison, you know, the guards, I'm sure, thought he was crazy something because he was sitting there potentially rotting in prison. But he was happy. He was at peace because he, he had a relationship with God. He, he had that friendship and that connection. 
And that is really what it looks like to have, have a uh, relationship with Jesus because you can experience peace and joy even in the worst situations. And once Paul becomes, gets to know and becomes friends with Jesus, they're always together. Like I said, Jesus never leaves his side. And just like Paul, a good relationship with Jesus doesn't just exist in the good times. A relationship with God can't be, oh, everything is going amazing. Everything is smooth. I have no issues. I'll follow Jesus. It doesn't work like that. A relationship with God is, it includes all the good times you have, all the bad times you have, being thrown in prison like Paul was. This is, you're not alone, and Jesus is there with you, experiencing all this with you, and you can't choose to follow him only when having good experiences, having a good time. Um, those bad times are, are not as painful when, when you have Jesus on your side and you're friends with Jesus um, we shouldn't only go to him when times are tough. Either. This is just not how normal friendships work. And a, a friendship with God is, it can kind of be a, a really close, connected relationship with Jesus. Um, you know, you wouldn't go up to, to one of your friends only need someone. That's not how normal friendships work. And when, when we're in a bad situation, we want to, we want to be able to have that, that comfort or that crutch. But it's so much better when in the good to have that close friend. And it's like that with Jesus, too. You want to have a close friend in Jesus. We, when we need help, um, we can turn to Jesus. When we're joyful, we can turn to Jesus because we are not alone. And having a friendship with Jesus is something that can be completely enjoyable through both the good and the bad, just like what was modeled with Paul. In the same way, our relationship with Jesus is, is fulfilling, fulfilling and, you know, in that prison um, of our mind or of our current circumstances, we, we don't have to worry about a whole lot because we have someone who is a good friend of ours and we can draw near to him. Paul drew, new, near, drew near to God even when he was sitting in prison. Now, Paul's relationship with God will be different. It will not be the same for everyone. Having a relationship with Jesus will be spick for every other individual who has a relationship with Jesus. True, and I think that's kind of what our whole series has been about. What Jared just said is a perfect example of what relationship is greater than religion means. We can all have the same religion. We can all say we're Christians, go to the same church, follow the same rules and read the same words, out of the Bible, but a relationship, a relationship is different. There isn't a set of rules to follow, and if I follow these set of rules, I can have a relationship with somebody. I can be friends with someone. You can't just say, hey, you want to be friends with, with Jared? You want to be friends with Trevor? We'll just do this, um, hang out with him this time, say this to him, and you guys will be friends. That's not how a relationship works. On top of that, for example, Jared and I are good friends friends for a while, but and this might sound crazy, but I'm not Jared's only friend. Jared is also friends with, with Katie and Courtney and Ross, and he has many other friends that he's very close to. We have different relationships, different connections with Jared, though. I've had different experiences with him. I've had different conversations with him. Me, Katie, 
Ross, every one of his friends can say that we're friends with Jaron, but each of our friendships is it's, its own personalized, different friendship. Yeah, that's, that's definitely th true, and it's, it's the exact same way with a relationship with God. Um, how we know God, how we experience, um, everything we, we may go through is, is, it's not entirely the same for every person. In fact, it, it can be incredibly different. And our relationship with God is supposed to be like that of a relationship with a friend. And like Trevor said, our, a relationship with a friend isn't going to be the same deal. Um, we've looked at one good testimony tonight, and we've also heard uh, Paul's story and his testimony. And both of these are really, really good examples of what a relationship with God looks like and what it can do for us. But it's not a perfect image of what everyone will experience or what everyone will have with God. What we have to do is we have to pursue God in our own way and have a relationship with him that is unique in our own relationship. A relationship with God won't look exactly like Paul's relationship with God. Life with Christ means something different for each of us. But just like Paul, just like the testimony earlier, a relationship with God can give us joy, it can give us peace, and it can give us a purpose that doesn't fade. Yeah, and a lot of Christians really desire a uh, perfect relationship with God. And when we, when we see someone we, we highly revere, a close friend, we see a relationship with God is going so well. We, we really want to have that relationship. And when that's something that we do not have, we get incredibly discouraged and, and we get upset and we think, you know, maybe there's something wrong with relationship with, with God. You know, maybe I don't have a connection. Maybe there's something that I'm missing. You know, what have I done wrong? There's nothing there. Yeah, that, that, that's something that we often think, but it's just not the case. God loves us, and he loves us dearly. He wants to know each and every one of us personally. Uh, we're kind of running out of time to do something that we were going to do as a large group, so I'll give you guys um, the option to do it in small groups. Tonight, uh, something we, we encourage you to do is, is we're going to have, hopefully, note cards in every one of our groups, and you'll have the opportunity to, as we've been going through the series, we've been talking about sins we've been struggling with, uh, maybe there's one or two things that you've been thinking of that have been coming to your mind that you've been struggling with. We encourage you to write that down on a note card and just fold it up. By the end of the night, we hope that, that you, can, you can write that down and then tear it up and throw it away and say, hey, this, this thing that I struggled, sin that I had, I no longer am worried about. And tonight we want to really encourage community, and, and that's something that's huge at this church. Um, so keep that in mind when you go to, go to groups tonight. And the Bible says in Psalm 133, verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. This is really celebrating the fact that you have other people you can go to, and you have your community members around you who will listen to you. Chasing after God is an impossible task without others you can, you know, look to for support. And we really think you should, you know, you don't have to, don't feel pressured, but during life group time, we encourage you to reach out to someone and tell them what you wrote down on your slips of paper. It can be your whole life group or just one close friend, but whatever you do, we encourage it. This is something that, that really can help you um, overcome the sin. We talked about a relationship with God, all these, and how important that is. Um, it's far more, it's far easier to pursue God with a friend or with a, with a group of friends. So we encourage that tonight. We, uh, we like talking, so we've been up here a little long, but we'll go ahead and pray and send you guys off to life group.
Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us to come to Oasis and to have this, this community, God. God, I pray that tonight you'll bring us together closer as, as a group, God, and that, that you'll really just be here with us. That we'll be able to work together, we'll be able to support each other, God, and we'll be able to chase after you together. Thank you for your love and for everything you've done for us, God. In your name we pray. Amen.